0: You guys ready? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody besides friendly? Good. You look friendly, yeah? Like being friendly? Sweet. Oh, you guys are wound up already. That's just nice. Man, is that the baptism that's doing that to you? That's it. Okay, good. Good. So good stuff. So, um, hey, let's jump into where we're going today, and uh, then we're going to get to the baptism in a little bit. Um, We've been talking for the last two weekends now about uh, things that cannot be shaken. And everybody knows, I don't have to convince you of this, I don't have to persuade you, I don't have to lay out facts for you. Everybody knows that we live in a shaky world. Really shaky. Did you see the State of the State Address this week? Governor Brown did the State of the State Address. I'm just going to close in prayer because I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Governor Brown gave the state of the state address and he said, he he described our shaky world. He said, our world is profoundly uncertain. And that's just political talk for shaky. And everywhere around us, it's shaky, all the st- financial world, uh, global politics, Local politics. You and I'm going to bring the governor and you, and we're going to do some like sumo wrestling or something. I don't know how that's going to go, but all of that is just shaky, right? And so we're talking about things that cannot be shaken, and the Scripture is really clear on some things where it just says there are some things that cannot be shaken, and that's good news for us because in the midst of a shaky world, we are looking for something solid. We're looking really. A lot of people are looking for anything solid. They don't even care really what it is as long as it's solid feeling because everything around is so unstable and, and unreliable. And so we're talking about things that cannot be shaken. And today I want to I start with the scriptures and then talk about some ways that that applies to us, the things we learn from scripture, how do these things apply to us to help us build a life that cannot be shaken. All right, so that's where we're heading. If you have your Bible with you today, why don't you open up to Psalm 55. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the chair next to you. You can reach over and use one of those. You can use your smartphone. We've got notes on the, on the Bible app called YouVersion. If you go to Uversion Live, you can find those notes, and the scriptures are already pulled up for you in there. Or you can just listen if you like. That's fine, too. In any case, I hope you listen. Okay? All right, Psalm 55, it's a psalm of distress. It's a song written by King David and uh, probably written before he became king. Uh, But listen to this, Psalm 55, starting at verse 16. David says, As for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords." Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and the deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. Right on. Now let's just think through a little bit about what David's saying. There's three things in there that are really hot topics for me, three key things that he says. One is found in verse 19. He says, God does not change. We've been saying that week after week now for the last couple of weeks. God does not change. And David confirms that or affirms that again. God does not change. So David seeks refuge in him. If you have a God that is unshakable, you can go to him. You can turn to him. You can take refuge in him in the midst of everything else around you that's shaking. In verse 22, he says, he, God, will never let the righteous... Be shaken. Now, that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. Uh, you've all seen bad things happen to good people. You've all seen bad things happen even in the, right, in the lives of righteous people. But what he promises is, I will not let the righteous be shaken. I will give them the ability to have a life that cannot be shaken in the midst of bad things that come into their lives. And then in verse 23, he says this, And I, as for me... I trust in you. I, f- I find that my prayer a lot in my life. When when stuff goes upside down in my family, I I get back on my knees again, I go, God, I trust in you. I don't know I don't know how we're going to solve a marriage issue. I don't know how we're going to solve a child issue. I don't know how we're going to solve a financial issue. When things in my private world get shaky, I always end up going back to God. I'm going, and I use this almost as a mantra, but as a prayer, as a, as a chorus to my prayer. God, I trust in you. And there have been times when, I, when I'm in my prayer time with God, I'll just tell him, I feel like I'm just trying to say this to convince myself. And I think sometimes I am. And I see David do the same exact thing. He just says, God, I trust in you which is absolutely reasonable because God cannot be shaken. I love how David lays that out for us. He says, God does not change. I believe that. That's a principle of Scripture. God does not change. But I believe this is also a principle of Scripture. God loves change. Now that's the weird part for us because a lot of us don't love change. If our, world, if our world would ever get to a good spot, we just go, just leave it there. Just don't mess it up. You know, sometimes people ask me, well, how's it going? I'll like, I'm like, well, I don't know. Let me think about it. Yeah, last week was pretty good. I go, right now it's good. But I, I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't even know what's coming tonight. I don't know what's coming before the talk is over tonight. You know, it could all go south in a heartbeat. I don't know. I just know that God does not change. But he loves change. Turn over in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9. Here's a story from the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Here's a fun little story. Matthew 9, verse 14, it says, Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus answered, Well, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, They pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. John the Baptist had disciples. Jesus was not the only one in the ancient world who had disciples, who had followers, who had students in his school, so to speak. And so John the Baptist also had disciples who were following him around the countryside and doing baptisms at the Jordan River and things like that. And John's disciples came to Jesus one day and they said, Jesus, we don't get it. We got a little problem with the, with the new rabbi. We're a little worried about what's going on because, because we fast. How many of you have ever fasted? How many of you have ever fasted for like non-dietary reasons? Like you actually were trying to get close to God, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So go. Good. So some of you do that. I hate fasting. I mean, can we just be honest? I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. But the design of it is you give up something to be able to focus your attention on God. That's a good thing. But I don't like fasting. And I'm pretty sure the disciples of John the Baptist didn't like fasting either. So they look at this other rabbi, Jesus. They're like, I'm sure they went to John first instead of going to Jesus. I'm sure they went to John first and say, hey, John, Jesus' disciples, they don't fast. I don't know if John said, well, check the Pharisees out. They fast. So now John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and go, we fast and the Pharisees fast and your disciples, they don't fast. What gives? Can we get, you know, either can we get in on what you're doing or they're saying, Jesus, you're not doing it right. The Pharisees were very much prone to saying to Jesus, you're not doing it right. People who are judgers tend to say to other people, you're not doing it right. And I think that's what's going on with the disciples of John the Baptist. They come to Jesus, they go, your disciples aren't fasting, so they're not doing it right. And Jesus says, could I, could I just give you a couple metaphors for this? Could I, just, could I just give you a couple stories? They go, okay. He goes, have you ever sort of patch onto an old garment that had a hole in it? Now, you, you wouldn't because you're rich. You just buy new clothes. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how that really goes. I don't I don't really understand the whole fabric thing. And you got to shrink it first. My I never got you know, that shrink to fit Levi's thing. That never worked for me. They never fit even after they shrink. So I that just I never got the whole shrink deal with that. But you know, Jesus says, look, you got a hole in your clothing. You put a new a patch with new cloth, and you put that on the old cloth. And the new cloth shrinks. It's going to make your hole worse. I never was very successful with holes in jeans anyway. When I was a child, I had, I had um, short legs. Imagine that. <laughs> and my mom was worried. We didn't have a ton of money, so she was worried about my jeans getting holes in them. So she would buy me jeans with the patch already built in. Did you ever see those? They were hideous. My mom sent me out in public with these things on, but they never fit right, you know, so she'd go, well, just roll your pan leg up. Well, that's just fine, Mom, but when you roll your pan leg up and you got a patch already in there, the patch goes down to your shin. I look like I was wearing soccer shin guards under my jeans. Then when I, you know, fall down, mess up my jeans, there's a hole right above the patch. Didn't matter. So I don't really get the patch thing. If you get it, God bless you. But for those of us who don't get the patch thing, he gave us a different metaphor. He said, uh, what about wine? Some of you guys like wine. Some of you all like wine. <laughs> some of you already had some. and <laughs> hmm. Jesus goes, you know how when they, when they make new wine, they, they, what do you, you don't brew wine. What do you do with wine? Ferment. For, let it ferment. Yeah, you get the whole ferment thing going on. See, you knew about that. So <laughs> you got this wine fermenting. You, know, so you ever get new wine, then put it in, you don't put it in old wine skins. Well, you wouldn't because you use bottles. So you don't really know how this goes either, either but they had leather bottles called wineskins, and they would put new wine into new wineskins, because old wineskins are inflexible. They're old, they're crusty, they're stiff, which describes some of us, I'm thinking, too. So that's a, that's a bummer. No, us, I said us, not you. I was not pointing. He goes... You know, I just have to tell you, this is going to be the most fun gathering of all, all five of them this weekend. I'm telling you that. That's because we love you more. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, he said, you, you put new wine into new wineskins because new wineskins are Flexible. And when that new wine begins to ferment, it expands. And when it expands, it'll expand into the skin of this new wineskin. And that wineskin will expand and everything will be saved. And your wineskin will be fine and your wine will be fine. Everything will be fine. It will all be preserved just as you want it. See, what Jesus is talking about here in this metaphor is content and containers. Content and containers. And religious faith is made of content and containers. The way we look at this, fasting is a container for religion. Fasting helps you draw near to God, but fasting is not God. Some, Some people go, some Christians go, if you're not fasting, you're not holy. Fasting is not God. It's a container that helps us connect with God. Prayer is not God. It's a container that helps us connect with God. Singing is not God. It's a container that helps us connect with God. There are in the in our religious faith, in our spiritual journey with Christ, there are containers. There's content and there are containers. And it's the content that matters most. Now you have to have containers. Otherwise the wine goes all out on the ground. But it's the It's the content we're trying to preserve with the containers that we use. Jesus loves that which is He's talking about new wine. He's talking about life that comes through him. He's bringing a whole different kind of life into our lives than what they experienced in the the Old Testament where God used to be among them. Now God through Jesus is in them, in us. It's a whole new thing. It's a whole fresh kind of wine. He goes, I love that freshness, but you have to be able to preserve it. And so now it matters what kind of containers you use. Martin Luther understood this. Martin, not Martin Luther King. There was another one before him called Martin Luther. Founder, one of the main uh, movers and shakers in the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. Next, next year, they're going to celebrate the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing 95 theses onto the door of the castle in Wittenberg. It started the whole Reformation, transformed the church. You know what that was called? New wineskins. It was content, There was faith content, now all of a sudden put into new wineskins. So Luther started this thing called the Reformation. I'm not sure he really set out to do that. He really wanted to have a conversation about what was going on. But he put the content of these 95 unshakable theses on the door of the castle and said, Let's talk about these things. These things matter. And his theses that he wrote, he got most of the content from those from the book of Romans, a letter of Paul the Apostle written to the Romans. And he said, this is rock solid, this is content, this is true. And Jesus is concerned about the content of our faith, but he's also concerned about the containers of our faith, and he wants the containers to be flexible. Luther was a theologian. Wrote all kinds of things about who God is and how do you relate to God in your life, things like that. He was a theologian, and that's the content side. But he was also a container maker. One of the things Luther brought into the church in that generation was he wanted churches to sing songs congregationally. He was one of the leaders of that. Up until that time, the only people that sang in church were monks, and they weren't all that good at it. But if you came to church, you had to listen to the monks sing. And so they're singing, they're doing their thing. Problem, one of the problems was they sang in Latin. But Luther and his people, they lived in Germany. They spoke German, not, most of them not Latin. Only the priests knew Latin. So Luther would write songs. As a theologian, he would write songs. So he wrote one of the most famous songs, probably the most famous song that he wrote, is a song called A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. Any Lutherans out there? Yeah. Oh, good. So, so you know that song, right? It, there's been a rumor that, it's, that it was actually a, the tune was actually a beer, a beer hall song. Like you know, you can picture a Stein with that. A mighty fortress is our God. You know. <laughs> you guys are so easy. Oh, a bulwark never failing. You know what a bulwark is? You know what a bulwark never failing is? That's a wall that cannot be shaken. He says a mighty fortress is our God. A mighty wall is our God. He cannot be shaken. That's content. But Luther created this big heresy because he said to the church, we're going to sing that together. And we're going to sing it in German which I am not going to (laughs) do. But they did, and the whole congregation sang. That was a container, a brand new container for old content, for unshakable content. There's content and there's containers, and the content matters more than the containers. I saw an article about church a few years ago. It said, There are two different kinds of churches, and as I thought about it, there's really more than two different kinds of churches, but the way they set this up, they were talking about two different kinds of churches. They said there are some churches that are flexible in their theology. In other words, with every wind of culture that comes along, they change their theology. They go, well, we used to believe that, now we sort of believe this, and now we don't believe that one anymore, we believe this thing, and their theology continues to change. And so from a theological perspective, that church has no footing, it has no foundation, there's nothing solid underneath it. And the writer of this article who had researched this said, so what churches like that do where their theology continues to change, their forms never do. Where the content continues to change, he said, their containers never change. So they see the, you see these churches that do the same motions over and over and over and over because they're looking for something in the world that can be solid. They're looking some, for something in their faith that can be solid. And if they can't have it in their content, they're gonna find it in their container. And then the guy who wrote this article he said now the opposite is true too. Churches that are rock solid in their theology, that are rock solid in their content, and they know their content cannot be shaken, that they're confident that their God cannot be shaken. And the things they believe about God, the things they believe about Scripture, they cannot be shaken. Those churches, over time, have proven to be very flexible in their containers. Because they already have something that's rock solid. God does not change. That's theology. But God loves change. That's practice. God does not change. That's content. But God loves change. That's container. When God had his scriptures written, he had them written in the language of the people who were going to read those scriptures. So when you read the Old Testament, you may not know, you read it in English, but you may not know that it was all written in Hebrew because it was Jewish people who were going to read it first. When God had the New Testament written, it was written in Greek, because the large portion of people that were going to read it first were Greek-speaking people. But over time, he's allowed his scriptures to be translated into other languages. Why? Because that's just the container. It's the container of the truth. The truth doesn't change, but the language can. Content and container. God loves, God does not change, but God loves change. Now, one of the challenges for us as Christ followers is sometimes religious people don't like change as much as God does. I mean, that's the disciples of John coming to Jesus and going, Jesus, your guys aren't doing it right. They're changing the pattern. We fast. They're not fast. They're not doing it right. Sometimes religious people don't like change as much as God does. It's fascinating to me that a faith that was founded by a radical such as Jesus is often so reluctant to change. You know the seven last words of the church? You know the seven last words of the church? We've never done it that way before. (laughs) Do you know the corollary to that? We've always done it that way before. But we get locked in a pattern, and we don't change from that pattern, and it's a death knell for Christ's church. Why? Because it becomes inflexible, and when you pour content into it, it bursts the wine skin that is inflexible. Yeah, I can't sugarcoat his word. You've got to stay right with it, right? At Lakeside Church, we are content centric. We are focused on the scripture and the God of the scriptures and all the ways that he describes himself. That's the content. That is rock solid. That does not change. Faith in Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our faith in Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we learn that through the scriptures. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We believe that. But we also believe our containers can change. The way we live that out, the way we feel that, the way we express that, those things can change. And when we're talking about things that cannot be shaken, one of the things you should be confident in is in your church. A church should not be shaken in its content. But it must be flexible in its container. So over the last few months we've witnessed changes among us here at lakeside church music in the lobby secular music sometimes in our in our auditorium uh, enjoying and singing other kinds of songs uh communion done in different ways than we're than we're used to even though the way that we were used to was a change from how jesus and his disciples did it but we sort of get locked in like oh i like it that way i like passing it down i like the little silver trays i like the little you know crackers Well, we, we do. You know, that's just, that's just true. But the container has to be flexible. And Jesus calls us to do that. And not just that it can be flexible, but, it, but that it has to be flexible. Because a church that's not flexible in its container, in its methodology, is a church that will stop being able to love a world that is far from God. We have to be flexible in our approach to this world because the world is constantly changing. And no, there's nothing new under the sun because we're all, we're all created by, by God, but we all walk away from God. The whole story of the scripture tells us we're all the same, but things in our culture change. And so churches that are able to be rock solid in our convictions are able to be flexible in our application of those convictions. I love how God loves change. I love how he invites us into it. I, I sometimes love uh, that we get to do that, change. I don't always love it because I'm like you. I don't always like change. I find that I like change better when I foist it on you <laughs> than if you foist it on me. But I find out that God's heart loves it, and I want to follow after it. We do, we do different things now than we used to do. We're doing a men's football detox next Sunday night. We didn't, we didn't do that, bef, you know, 50 years ago. Well, not we at Lakeside because we weren't around 50 years ago, but the church, church I was in 50 years ago didn't do football detox Sunday night. We do it different. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's necessary to do it differently. We're doing a plus one event on Valentine's Day night this, this next month. It's different. We've never done it before. We're doing it in, a, auto, in, a, in, a, in a, sh, a car showroom, a car dealership showroom. It's different. It's awesome. And the content of our faith will be the same. We're doing a marriage conference coming up later in February called Table for Two. It's going to be fantastic. We've got two of the smartest uh, most beautiful communicators of truth that I know in the world who are coming to lead us in that conference. And we're going to talk together about marriage. A little different than we've done before. The content will be rock solid. Our God is unshakable. But the content or the container will change a little bit as we go along. We're doing a baptism today. That's why you're also wound up We're doing a baptism today. There are some people that believe that the only place you should be baptized is in a river because that's how Jesus was baptized and it never changes. There are some people that believe that you don't have to be in a river but you at least have to have running water so it simulates a river. So make sure there's a hose nearby. (laughs) I'm not making that up. And we're going to baptize people in a modified hot tub. And God is good with that because God does not change But God loves change. And God loves it when people get into the water and they go, I want people to know that my life has been changed. And God loves that. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness to us. We praise you because you do not change. Any change for you would be a step in a bad direction. But we praise you also because you love change in us. We are changeable beings. We need to grow, and we can't grow if we don't change. And so, Lord, thank you for the way you are changing us. We love you for that. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing in these people this weekend who are being baptized as a statement of their faith in you. Lord, bless us as we walk forward with you to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. As always, we come to you in the unshakable name of Jesus. Amen.